Well, I can't wait to meet our host. I hear this is only one of his beat parties. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Hello, welcome back to Two True to Lie with Harry Day. That is hard to say. Oops. Um, 1.30 a.m. on weeknight, but the daughter is out of school. And there's this story that took place in Mississippi when the Civil War started at Ole Miss it was only male students. There were only about 135 of them. I think 140. And when the war started, they seceded and the war was going to start. All the students and some of the faculty joined up and became the University Greys. And I was going to do a, a podcast on the University Greys. Uh, Mississippians who went off to fight in the war for the Confederacy. And they. this will be quick before I go into the main episode because there was only so much information about them. <clears throat> Excuse me, my sinuses. They fought in probably 12 major engagements all the big ones, if you know Civil War engagements, I'm not going to go into it. And that included Gettysburg, and that included Pickett's Charge on the last day of Gettysburg, and the University Greys were part of the only Confederate companies that breached the Union line and fought before either being captured or retreating because Confederates lost the battle. The University Greys suffered 100% casualties in that battle alone. They weren't all killed, but they were all shot or stabbed, you know, by bayonet or, or club, whatever. They were either killed or wounded, every one of them. And these were students at Ole Miss in 1863. And I thought that would make such a great podcast. And that that's about all the info there is on them. So while I was looking up more information that I could not find on them, I found something really cool. Apparently, baseball, in its early form, was very popular with the soldiers during the Civil War on both sides. Uh, in camp, before battles, in prison camps, Everyone loved either watching or playing baseball. And so I have 
pull together a fairly large amount of information about baseball in the Civil War. But I need my glasses to read, my reading glasses, and I need a sip of my tea. And I really don't know how I'm going to find a song to outro this uh, information. And I really didn't want to do it because I'm kind of tired and my, and my voice felt a little sore, but it's all right. It's 1.30. I don't have to get up early, but I'll probably wake up at 8 anyway and drink coffee. So I might as well record the podcast episode now while the house is quiet. It's dark outside and the moon is up. And I shouldn't be getting any calls or texts or people walking in going, what you doing, Dad? Although I love that. You know, it's something you best cherish while you can. Anyway, baseball during the Civil War. During the war between the states, there were countless baseball games. Back then it was known as town ball. They were organized in army camps and prisons on both sides of the Mason-Dixon line. If you believe in the Mason-Dixon line. It was a thing back then. Now, these early forms of baseball had already been popular with high society in the Northeast. Way before the first shots of the Civil War erupted at Fort Sumter. Which, ironically, Doubleday, Abner Doubleday, the supposed founder of baseball, he was in Fort Sumter and supposedly he aimed the cannon that made the first reply to the Confederate shots at Fort Sumter. Doubleday was there. Doubleday was in a lot of large conflict in the Civil War. And I'll I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Not many people know about uh, Abner Doubleday's military history, but he was a, a brave guy, brave dude. Um, it said the participation of everyday soldiers and officers in games of baseball helped spread it across the nation. Now, very little documentation exists about these games in the Civil War. Most of the information has been derived from letters written home by officers and enlisted men who were playing these games while at conflict or pre-conflict or post-conflict, whatever, while you're marching around the country before risking your life in major engagements. Of the hundreds of pictures taken during the Civil War by photographers, there's only one photo that is known that clearly captured baseball It was a baseball game underway in the background of this photo taken at Fort Pulaski, Georgia. 
And it shows, and this is, I think, just a little humor, because it says, quote, original, quote. It shows the, quote, original, unquote, New York Yankees of the 48th Volunteers playing a game in the fortifications yard. So apparently some New York prisoners of the 48th Volunteers were playing baseball when someone took a photograph. Town ball was played in these prisons by POWs and in army encampments. I think that fray, that sentence is going to keep coming up repeatedly. I don't know why they reuse these in these articles that I go through. It's just the same stuff over and over. Um, Prisons also held them as POW struggled to escape the hopelessness of their situation and combat the mind-numbing boredom that confronted them every day. They're talking about baseball games. One place this happened was in Salisbury Prison in North Carolina. Now it's going to skip away from that and then come back. Although it was a primitive form of baseball in larger communities, it was very popular. It did not achieve the widespread popularity really until after the start of the war when soldiers and officers spread the game. The mass concentration of young men in army camps and prisons eventually converted the sport formerly reserved for gentlemen, unquote, into a recreational pastime that could be enjoyed by people of all backgrounds. For instance, officers and enlisted men played side by side, and soldiers earned their places on the team because of their athletic talents and not their military rank or social standing. Hey, man, a little little flattening of the classes there. It was about your abilities. That's a good thing. Both Union and Confederate officers endorsed baseball as a much-needed morale builder that also provided both mental and physical conditioning. After long details at camp, it eased the boredom and created a team spirit among the men. Some soldiers actually took baseball equipment to war with them, which would be bats, and whatever kind of baseball they could uh, put together. Proper equipment wasn't always available, and they often improvised with fence posts, barrel staves, tree branches, all for bats, and yarn or rag wrapping around walnuts or lumps of cork for balls. Many times, soldiers would write home of these games and letters because it was much more pleasant to recall and relay home than the hardship and horrors of battle. One might say this was perhaps one of the earliest forms of sports journalism and the precursor to the, quote, box score beat writers, unquote, of the 20th century. 
One private riding home from Virginia recalled, It is astonishing how indifferent a person can become to danger. The report of musketry is heard but a very little distance from us. Yet over there on the other side of the road, most of our company playing bat ball and perhaps in less than half an hour, they may be called to play a ball game of a more serious nature. So there's a battle going on. These people are in reserve and they're playing baseball and they may get called in and they may lose half their men, two of their men. You don't know. Civil War was a meat grinder. And sometimes these games would be interrupted by the call of battle. I believe George Putnam, I don't know if he was a writer or an inventor or what. He was a Union soldier at the time. He humorously wrote of a game that was called early due to the surprise attack on their camp by Confederate infantry. And he wrote, Suddenly there was a scattering of fire, which three outfielders caught the brunt. The center fielder was hit and was captured. Left and right field managed to get back to our lines. The attack was repelled without serious difficulty, but we had lost not only our center fielder, but the only baseball in Alexandria, Texas. Wow. I didn't know there were that many fights in Texas. There are a few. So now we get into part two, which is how it was in the articles, about Abner Doubleday. Union General Abner Doubleday was, in fact, the father of the modern game. It is said. It's also said it might be another guy. I'll get into him later. Doubleday was an 1842 graduate of West Point. He graduated with the likes of A.P. Stewart D.H. Hill, Earl Van Dorn, and James Longstreet. He served in both the Mexican and Seminole Wars. In 1861, he was stationed at the garrison in Charleston Harbor. It is said that it was Doubleday, an artillery officer, aimed the first Fort Sumter gun in response to the Confederate bombardment that initiated the war. Doubleday later commanded a division of the 1st Corps at Sharpsburg and Fredericksburg, huge battles, as well as Gettysburg, huge battle, where he assumed command of the 1st Corps after the fall of his uh, superior general, John Reynolds, on the first day's fight. His corps helped repel Pickett's charge on the third day of the Battle of Gettysburg. That would have been the charge that the University Greys were a part of. Wow, it all comes full circle sometimes. Love that tea. Now, a man named Alexander J. Cartwright Jr. has also been designated as the game's principal founder. Somehow, Doubleday got all the probably through connections, got all the glory of founding baseball because by the time the war was over, it, everyone knew about it and it was extremely popular. Um, for whatever reason, though, Cartwright left the New York area in 1849, back when they were the high society people were playing baseball and it was still young, like seven years 
old, maybe, in that area. Maybe it was started in 39. But uh, he went west. He was drawn to California by the gold rush and the stories of adventure. It is said along the way, he taught the game of baseball to some Native Americans and to many mountain men that he encountered. And he spread the interest in this fledgling sport west of the Mississippi. This is like 1849, when Indians ruled the West with violence and daring. It has been determined that baseball was played extensively by Union soldiers, but not only by Union soldiers. Many of these contests of baseball were attended by thousands of spectators and often made front page news equal to the war reports coming in from the field. Ultimately, the Civil War helped fuel a boom in the popularity of baseball, evidenced by the fact that a ball club called the Washington Washington Nationals was born in 1860, 145 years before the Major League Baseball team in Washington, D.C. was given the same name, the Washington Nationals. It was in 1861 at the start of the war that an amateur team made up of members of the 71st New York Regiment defeated the Washington Nationals Baseball Club by a score of 41 to 13. So this supposed professional club got hammered by the 71st New York Regiment or whatever they were. Does it say? Yeah, Regiment. Um, When the 71st New York Regiment later returned to D.C. to man the defenses of the Capitol in 1862 after they had gotten their butts kicked by the Confederates, which they did not expect. The teams decided to play a rematch, which the Nationals won 28-13. to However, the victory for the Nationals came in part because some of the 71st Regiment's best athletes had been killed at Bull Run only weeks before their first game, only weeks after their first game. So some really good ball players did not come back. And that happened happened in World War II. It happens in all wars. In prisons, day-to-day life was tough, obviously. But early on, the prisoners had large yards with plenty of room to move about. And one of the favorite activities in these prisons was to play baseball. That is before they became overcrowded and things uh, got really bad, such as Andersonville. Um, So prevalent was the game of baseball at Salisbury Prison in North Carolina that it was captured in an 1863 print which is an illustration. The illustration romantically represents one of the earliest depictions of the game 
and recalls the days before overcrowding greatly diminished the camp's living conditions. Within this camp, a field reporter named W.C. Bates mentioned the presence of baseball at Salisbury in the Stars and Stripes publication. Maybe he was just visiting. He added that we have no official report of the match game of baseball played in Salisbury between the New Orleans and Tuscaloosa boys, resulting in the triumph of the latter. But the cells of the parish prison were unfavorable to the development of the skill of the New Orleans Nine. And then he notes of a prisoner. Prisoner Gray mentions that baseball was played nearly every day that the weather would permit. And he claims to have been made, claims have been made that these were the first baseball games played in the South, which would be early, early on in the war. Okay, much later after the war, a decade after the Civil War ended, the National League was developed, professional baseball. This was the same year that General George Armstrong Custer and his 264 troopers were uh, overwhelmed and wiped out by the Sioux and the Cheyenne and the Arapaho at the Battle of the Little Bighorn, 1876. So on the East Coast, you have the pastime, the, the newly formed pastime of professional baseball for entertainment coming together, while out West, it's still extremely dangerous to even roam across the country. But nevertheless, 1876, the National League formed professional baseball with an eight-team circuit the Boston Red Stockings, the Chicago White Stockings, the Cincinnati Red Legs, the Hartford Dark Blues, the Louisville Grays, and the Philadelphia Athletics, the Brooklyn Mutuals, and the St. Louis Browns. It, has, it had been reported that many members of the U.S. Cavalry, mostly veterans of the Civil War, played baseball games to pass the time while protecting the Western territories, such as St. Louis, parts of Kansas, Nebraska, maybe even Colorado. Um, one of these veterans returned east. His name was Ross Barnes of Chicago, and he witnessed the first National League home run, which was an inside-the-park variety. And then in my last line here, I have eventually organized baseball grew in popularity abroad, meaning nationwide and into Canada a little bit, and helped bring together a country that had been torn apart for many years, you know, two, three, four decades of having to grow back together. I don't think Vicksburg celebrated 4th of July until 1950. It could be earlier. I don't recall exactly. It may be way earlier. But that, you know, that was the day that they surrendered Vicksburg. 
to uh, Grant on the 4th of July, 1863. So that's our story about baseball. You know, that's, that's 120, 60, that's 160 years ago, baseball becomes popular and starts to spread because of a war. There were a lot of things that were invented because of the Civil War. Canned food, I believe, was one of them. Different things. Same as World War II, I think plastics. Um... I just find it so fascinating. And baseball is just, you know, it's older than football. It's, uh, gosh, it's not as rough and tough as football. Not now. Football is just so popular. But baseball, there's so many more games to watch. You don't have to wait around. You can... Step off into a field and take a rag and wrap it around a bunch of hickory nuts and sew it up and then pull a fence post or find a a good branch and play you some baseball out out in a field while battle rages, you know, in the next valley. And you're indifferent. If you've been at war, if you if it, if you're you hadn't been at war and that's like your first sound of it and you haven't been in it, you're gonna be wet in your pants. I mean, I would. Who wouldn't? If you hadn't gone, you 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 may not come back. Many don't in that time, and that's uh, intense. I wonder when and where the first. Baseball was played in Mississippi, where I am. Maybe outside of Vicksburg. A lot of hills. You'd have to find a find a flat somewhere, I guess. It's just so crazy. I, and I just learned all this stuff tonight. That baseball was spread during a major war within a country. I mean, the Civil War itself is is just unfathomable how it happened. But as a sidebar, baseball became popular. People flocked to these pickup games just to watch I wonder how many times there were multiple games going on at the same in the same field because they're like, man, I want to play too. Well, me too. Well, let's get 18 people and do it. I never got into the, you know, the rules were a little, I guess there were a lot less rules. But you had your bases, your pitcher, your batter, your strikes. I don't know about balls. I think you got a... Uh, three pitches and if the 
three were hittable and you didn't hit it, you were out or you hit it. But I've read where if you were stalling and not swinging on purpose, for whatever reason that would be, I don't know what reason that would be, because there's no time limit. Then if you got three good pitches, you were out. And you probably had some good pitchers back then. I mean, these people walked all over the country, the whole eastern country. It's just amazing to me. And then you got some guy, some old man going out west, trying to get Indians to play baseball. He's lucky he didn't get killed. It was early on, though, when mountain men were out there fur trapping, and there was just a white man here, a white man there, and the Indians weren't worried about us. Depends on the tribe, though. The Rickery would kill you. The Comanche would kill you. They'd take your bat and beat you with it. <laughs> They'd take your toys and go home. Anyway, that's uh, that's our new info. That's our new podcast in the can. Uh, it's late. Life is good. Treat your family so, so well. Get in touch with them if they if you don't live near them. I don't, I don't understand these people that move away from their uh, family and rarely come see them. I, I mean, maybe they talk to them, but, you know, they're, they're not going to be here forever. You're not going to be here forever, so you got to you gotta make hay while the sun is shining, so they say. Do the same with your friends. Keep in touch. And be friendly to the, to the people you don't know that you run across. You know, you pass, pass along the kindness. It makes them feel that they're kind people out there. It gives them some hope maybe when they don't have it. You know, who knows what, what's going on in their heads. It's hard to say. You can usually read their expression and know if they need to be cheered up or just left alone. But what we all need and what we all deserve and what we all must have and share is that beautiful five-letter word called habit. Just kidding. Perch. No. Broom. No. Earth. No. Peace. I had a friend who was a big baseball player back in high school. He could throw that speedball right by you, make you look like a fool. Boy. Saw him the other night at a roadside bar. I was walking in and he was walking out. We went back inside, sat down and had a few drinks But all he kept talking about Was glory days Yeah, they'll pass you by glory days In the wink of a young girl's eye Glory days, glory days There's a girl
up the plot Back in school she could turn all the boys heads Sometimes on a Friday I'll stop by have some drinks After she put her kids to bed Her and her husband Bobby split up I guess it's two years gone by now We just sit around talking about old times She says when she feels like crying She starts laughing, thinking about glory days Yeah, they'll pass you by glory days In the wink of a young girl's eye Glory days, glory Gonna drink till I get my fill And I hope when I get old I don't sit around 